Hi, I'm Bill Furlong, and along with my colleague, Dr. Mary Crossan, we co-host our podcast, Question of Character, where we answer all of your questions about the Ivy Leader Character Framework. We would like to welcome you to our second episode, and we are delighted that you can join us. I'd like now to introduce you to my co-host. She is a distinguished university professor at Western University. She teaches in the Ivy Business School undergraduate, MBA, PhD, and executive programs. Her research is widely published in the world's most prestigious business journals, and she is the author of several books, such as Developing Leader Character and More Than 50 Cases. She is Dr. Mary Crossan. Mary, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. As a reminder, in our last episode, uh, we had done Leader Character 101A, if you will. Today, we're going to do Leader Character 101B. If you haven't yet listened to episode one, we would urge you to do so. You'll find it well worth your time. In total, the content for episodes one and two are very similar to the half-day workshops that Mary and I have done uh, across organizations or in organizations across Canada, the US, Europe, and Asia. Today's episode is going to cover a number of different areas. We'll be talking about leadership character in a bit more depth. We'll be talking about leadership character and how it affects you. And we'll be talking about leadership character and how it affects your organization. Again, the reason that you should care about leadership character is because the stronger your character, the better decisions and judgments that you will make. This will improve your performance in all areas of your life, which will lead to more success and improved and better well-being. It's a very simple yet a very powerful idea. So let's get going with part B, an introduction to the, leader, to the Ivy Leader Character Framework. And this is really now the part where we start to move away from the concepts and the intellectual underpinnings of the Ivy Leader Character Framework, and we really start to experience it. Mary, uh, before we get going, uh, maybe we should just take a few moments to recap some of the key points from episode one. Uh, first of all, can you just maybe take a brief overview, if you will, of the distinction between moral compared to virtuous character? Yeah, I think we talked yesterday about the fact that a lot of people think about character in its ethical sense. And of course, it has its place in understanding moral and uh, ethical issues, but it would be shortchanging character to think it's only about ethical decision making, really. It's about the quality of judgment and decision making, and more importantly, perhaps about well being and sustained excellence uh, in organizations. Perfect. And maybe a few misconceptions that we talked about the other day. I think we briefly yesterday spoken about four separate misconceptions that people sometimes have around character. Yeah, that we talked about one of the first is that because we use the term leader character, that people think about it as the position to lead and that you need a leadership position, probably senior in the organization to apply leader character. Whereas we refer to it as the disposition to lead. It doesn't matter how old you are or whether or not you have a supervisory position, you're going to need that disposition to lead to bring the best of yourself to your work and uh, your life. Right. The second one, Bill, I think is that we often think about operating with character as operating with one hand behind your back. Uh, so that it undermines performance in some way or that somebody else operating without character is going to outperform you. Whereas that's 
the opposite of how character operates. You're operating with one hand behind your back if you're not operating with character because you think about things like courage and drive and transcendence and collaboration and humility and humanity. These are all drivers of performance. And it's not just long-term performance, but performance in the short term. How is it that you elevate your quality of decision-making? I think another area or misconception is that you're born with character or it's developed early in life. Whereas we know character is a habit of being and that habit is constantly in evolution or hopefully development. But that can also erode if we're not consciously attending to the development of character, which leads us to the final area of misconception is that well, it's too fuzzy, you know, we don't really know what character is. In fact, we can think about the research that's gone into defining character as like the anatomy and physiology of the body. We know what this looks like and we know how to exercise character. And importantly, we talked yesterday about the gold standard in assessment is having observable behaviors that are reliable and valid. And that's really the basis of the framework that we're looking at. I think Bill will see a lot of that today as we talk about some of the videos and being able to observe character. Very quickly, we had we talked yesterday about a framework that talks about the three C's of leadership, um, competencies, uh, commitment, and character. Can you maybe just briefly overview that again for our listeners? Uh, commitment to lead is something that we, we presume that people have when they're in a leadership position and we just pick up on the point that there's a whole area of study that just says, no, you need commitment to lead and it's based on a variety of uh, uh, sub-dimensions, which we won't get into in this particular uh, podcast. So we talked previously about character as underpinning competence and really leveraging competence, actually for better or for worse, because we character against a strong competence can be very destructive in organizations, whereas strong character with strong competence actually amplifies uh, performance. Mm -hmm. And lastly, maybe if you could very briefly um, uh, summarize the Ivy Leader character framework, the idea of the, uh, the different dimensions, uh, how they work together, that uh, an excess or a deficiency takes a virtue and turns it into a vice. The fact that there are 11 dimensions of character and picture a wheel with judgment in the middle and these other 10 dimensions around it, transcendence and drive, collaboration, humanity, humility, integrity, uh, temperance, justice, accountability, and courage. And that all of these dimensions inform quality of judgment and decision-making. We talked about the fact that any one of these virtues, though, can operate as a vice in excess or deficiency, not meaning an average level, but rather if you're going to have a high level of courage, you also need a high level of temperance and humility to go along with it. Or that courage really becomes recklessness in excess or uh, cowardice in deficiency. And Bill, I think this issue that many people have not really imagined that something like integrity, for example, could operate like a vice, but it really is, you look at the behaviors associated with integrity, being candid, authentic, principled, consistent, well, those things can really simply operate in a dogmatic and abrasive way, 
when, for example, you don't have the humility, humanity, collaboration, and justice, for example, to go along with them. So that's a real basic overview about how these character dimensions operate collectively together to create strong character where all dimensions of character are high, as we talked about uh, in the prior po podcast, weak character, where you, you really haven't developed strength in all dimensions. And I think a real danger spot for a lot of people, most of us really have a lot of unbalanced character where what we thought was a strength is actually operating like a vice because we don't have the supporting structure of the other dimensions of character. Really, now we can, we're ready now, I think, Mary, to step into uh, this next part where we're going to try and move into experiencing leadership character. And when people first see the Ivy Leader Character Framework, this, this wheel that you've, we, we, we talk about and see, um, they're sometimes initially a bit overwhelmed. They think that, oh, there's an awful lot of information here. This seems like, couldn't it be simplified? And part of our goal today uh, is to not only sort of show in action how uh, the leader character framework uh, it works, but also it's to, 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 to demonstrate, I think, and we've demonstrated this numerous times, Mary, in presentations that we make, is that once you actually start to use it, the framework itself is actually quite easy to use. It's quite easy to apply. And so uh, today we've normally would in live presentations, of course, uh, use film clips. Today we're going to try and describe film clips, film clips to you. So uh, that should be interesting and, and worth tuning in for all on its own. So let me start with one of the very first film clips that we talk about, Mary, is um, you have in the past worked with an NHL team. You've been at their NHL combines where they interview some of the best prospects uh, in the world. Uh, you've also been through their training camp where you've, uh, you've presented the concepts and ideas and workshops around leader character as well. And in one of these, in one of these situations, one of one year, I think, the general manager had t-shirts printed up and it, it said, don't be the monkey. Can you uh, describe to our listeners what that was all about? Sure. This uh, video, uh, which features, uh, a set of two monkeys, one that receives a grape in response to uh, an action giving a stone to the researcher and the other monkey receives a cucumber in response to the same action. And you see in this video this aggressive response, uh, a fit that the monkey who gets the cucumber uh, takes when it receives it because Clearly for monkeys, a grape is better than a cucumber. And we use the video to show the basic instincts around social comparison and what that looks like. And I think the first time that uh, the general manager saw this, he said, my goodness, this explains so much. You know, it explains what happens when one player makes more than another, when somebody gets more applying time than somebody else, when their position changes, they move from the first line to the second line. And the moral of the story of this video is not that you don't aspire to getting the grape. It's really, it's what happens when you don't get it. And I think for all of us in life, our expectations are often uh, thwarted in some way or other. And what we see with character is that 
with weaknesses of character, those kinds of situations overwhelm us and they rob us of our ability to perform in the moment. So that's why he made up these t-shirts, Don't Be the Monkey, to remind all, everybody, the players, the coaches, that what everybody needs is in challenging context is to be able to respond and bring their best self uh, to the situation. So uh, we'll actually provide a link on the podcast uh, to this episode of the podcast, a link to that clip. I think it's an excerpt from a uh, TED talk. And uh, the point is, is when you think about how the situation that he would be facing is that if his players, having been demoted to, a, to, a, to off the power play or maybe to a lower line, to the extent that they're not able to bring them their best selves, it, it significantly compromises the performance of the team it compromises their own performance, and it's because of this reaction that they've had. Yet if there was an awareness of, of, of what they were feeling and how they were seeing it, and the strength of character to first of all, to be aware of it, and then secondly, to be able to address it, uh, it results in far better performance and outcomes, not only for them individually, they're far more likely to work their way back up to a higher line or back onto the power play if they, can, if they adapt appropriately as opposed to the other reaction, which is, which is, which is you know, very, um, very counterproductive, if you will. That's right, Bill. You absolutely nailed it. And it's uh, performance of the team, performance of the individual. And, and in the end, it's not just performance. It feels bad, right? When you, when you let those contexts overwhelm you, you dwell on them, uh, you, you really don't find yourself moving in a productive way. It, it haunts a lot of people in some cases for a long period of time where they get these kinds of crippling uh, contextual pressures that, that undermine uh, their character. So Mary, um, now we're going to sort of move into a couple of different uh, videos that we're going to uh, describe. Uh, and it really is um, uh, around an example of a great character. I imagine that when you were uh, preparing these presentations and thinking about now, how can I use a film clip? Who would, who, would be a good, who would be a good example? What movie would actually be a great example of what you know, strength of character looks like? And you ended up selling, settling on, uh, on Nelson Mandela. Uh, could you maybe give us a little bit of background around the movie that we draw the clips from? Uh, and then specifically, we can maybe get into the, the clips themselves. Bill, the reason that we pick Mandela and the movie Invictus is that it is based on the book Playing the Enemy by John Carlin. And we felt that it provided a pretty good factual account of Mandela taking over leadership in South Africa. And Mandela is played by Morgan Freeman, who does an outstanding job really of capturing the mannerisms of Mandela to the point where in fact, when Mandela passed away, there was a lot of people who had pictures of Morgan Freeman up because they had really associated him with Mandela. So I think the, the actual video clips provide a really good starting point for us to be able to examine character. So now the very first clip we, uh, we chose um, was really about uh, Mandela's first day in office. Uh, the uh, apartheid regime had been voted out of office. Uh, Mandela um, uh, comes in that very first day, walks into these very plush offices, as you can imagine. Um, he is uh, met almost immediately by his assistant who starts talking to him right away about 
you know, what his schedule is about. But also Mandela takes the time to, 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 to see her and be present with her and, and, and make a comment upon how she's looking that day. Um, but as he's walking through, there's a couple of different things that we start to see. We're starting to see a lot of activity around Mandela, but some people seem to be packing boxes as opposed to you know, carrying boxes, as opposed to maybe carrying files. Uh, his bodyguards are, are with him and, and, and are, uh, are very happy uh, you can only sort of regard, they're, they're actually delighted that this is the first day that he is now the president of South Africa. Uh, Mandela walks by this, this very large portrait of himself. And the bodyguards look at that and they're, they're very pleased with that. Mandela looks at it with a, a little bit of a, a skeptical eye. And then he walks into this huge office and, um, and it's, it's beautiful. And it's, it's all laid out for him. Um, his, uh, his uh, assistant is saying to him, we have to now sit down and, and start talking about, you know, selections for your cabinet, like a very big, high profile, high status, quite frankly, task to undertake. And then Mandela turns to her and says, give me just a moment. And, and, and uh, so she backs away and he just stands in this office and looks around. And I think you've measured the time of that particular instance, Mary, and it's, it's uh, maybe 11 to 12 seconds, something like that. You can hear the phone ring in the background, office of the president. So, you know, you, you can just feel the status and the power that's inside this office. But at the same time, you can see Mandela kind of being present and in the moment and, and resisting some of this in a way. Bill, that's exactly a good depiction as to what goes on in that, in that video. And to carry on a little bit, he pivots, right, in that moment. And he asks his assistant to uh, call everybody together, everybody who hasn't left, and they meet and he, he, he speaks to them. Now, even before he speaks to them, he asks his bodyguards to stay outside of the room. He says, I can't speak to them with men who have guns, you know, and this is just not going to be the conditions for a, a good conversation. He, he, he invites them to stay if they feel that they can work. He talks that he needs them, that the country needs them. And then the clip ends. The reason that we really like this clip is that it's, in some ways, it's an everyday clip. It's not some dramatic moment. It is him walking into the office. And we have used this clip probably with thousands of uh, individuals where we simply ask, can you observe the dimensions of character in action? And the response we receive every time is that people see all of the dimensions of character in this fairly straightforward and short video clip. And then the question is, well, how is it that you see this? What is it you're observing? And what's fascinating, it's not so much often what Mandela says, but it is how he says it, who he is more importantly, when he says it. In some cases, what he doesn't say or doesn't do. When he passes the portrait of himself being hung and you clearly see his bodyguards uh, loving the fact that he, his portrait is going up, whereas he is resisting. He, he, he doesn't like that. But 
as you described, he steps into his office and this ostentatious office when he has spent 28 years incarcerated in a small cell. He, there's just an opulence there that you can clearly see is not resonant with him. So the observers then see that all of these dimensions of character are there. And I, and I, I think the key point is that it is all encompassing. It is around who we are and it's less about what we say. I think that's a really important learning that comes out of this clip because there's so much, Bill, focused with leaders and individuals on scripts. And I often talk about this as, I worry that we teach elegant manipulation. You know, comment on what somebody looks like or you know, say, simply say hello. But the, the matter, the point is, it's not just simply saying hello to somebody, it's actually seeing them when you say hello. And seeing them would be about the strength of character, the humanity that somebody carries, the humility, the collaboration. And we, we witness this in this clip. I think another thing, Bill, that we witness in the clip is that it, it's less about a style question. So many leaders get stuck, or not just leaders, individuals generally. Well, I'm worried about my style. I'm too loud, too soft, uh, not you know flamboyant, uh, too flam flamboyant, whatever the case may be around this idea of style. And when asked what is Mandela's style, people really struggle with it. And what they really pick up is that he, he is himself. And that becomes a really important lesson out of this is that our leadership will be derived from our strength of character. Our strength of character is quite personal. None of us are gonna look like Mandela. He, ha he has a different background, but we will bring our background and our development and our stories to our expression of character. And that, I think, becomes a, an eye-opening moment for a lot of people. And finally, Bill, I think it's this idea of judgment that, that comes into play. Because you could look at, well, why does Mandela ask these individuals to stay on? Was he just a nice guy? Well, no. There's practical wisdom in this. And, and, I, and I think about the complexity of that decision because he realizes in a moment that if those individuals walk out the door, the intelligence of managing the South African government walks out the door. The black South Africans had never uh, uh, been in power to be able to have that kind of knowledge and expertise. And yet it would also require a lot of courage on his part uh, to defend that decision, given that there had been many people who would want those jobs and those that elected him that would question his decision uh, to, uh, to keep the, uh, those individuals on, wondering whether they would even serve Mandela as uh, the elected officials had, uh, had hoped for. Mm -hmm. So that's really a couple of different points, Mary, that come from that. And I'll start from the last one coming back out is, is the idea of judgment, is that the strength of his character, the, his capacity to observe uh, what was going on around him in the moment, as opposed to getting 
if he had a lack of humility, he would he would get caught up in the moment. Oh, you know, look at me, I'm president. Look at my office, and I've got to now select the cabinet. But his 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 transcendence, his um, his temperance, and his humility allow him to be in the moment and observe what's going on. So instead of sitting down and figuring out who sits in his cabinet, he actually sorts out the 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 the, the, the almost invisible yet highest priority issue that he has which is to make sure that he actually holds on to the president's office. Um, because if he, you know, if, he, if he had gone the other way around, he would come out after his cabinet meetings and he would find the offices empty and bare. And, and now he's in actually trouble. So that's the one part about how important all of those dimensions of character are. And if you had an unbalanced character, like you were really big on courage and drive and let's get everything all done here, you would actually miss those subtle elements and those subtle signals in your environment that caused him to really pivot at a, at a critical moment. Bill, I want to just pick up on that idea because there's this really important aspect of bandwidth, right, of leaders, and, and it comes from many aspects of, of character. So the situational awareness that you talked about in judgment, but even situational awareness is not simply your capacity to kind of scan what's around you. But think about things like even the humility, the openness to learning, the awareness of yourself, the humanity piece is the awareness of others and what's going on, uh, issues of accountability. You, you think about character, as we often talk about, is changing the space between stimulus and response, right. not just transacting through that space, but having a a deeper experience of a particular moment and that experience uh, taking in more stimulus about what's going on being able to have the cognitive complexity and the uh, capacity to be able to work with that to make the decisions and take actions that you need in the moment and i think that becomes an important aspect of this because there are many models of leadership that think about contingency well, in this environment, you need this leader. In this crisis situation, you need this kind of leader. In more steady state, you need this. And character really turns that on its head and says it doesn't really matter what the context is because it's your quality of judgment and decision-making that allows you to navigate that context, pick up often what are weak signals uh, about what needs to be done, and respond in some cases to really strong signals, right? Where you've got a crisis and you've got to be able to deal with that. So Mary, that then brings up the, 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 the next one I want to talk about is the authenticity of who he is. Um, so there's a number of different points in this clip where uh, you can really see the essence of his humanity, uh, of, of, of who he is as a person. So there's that one point when he steps, he brings everyone into the, into the meeting room and it's, it's largely uh, white South Africans and he greets them, but he also greets them in the language of uh, Afrikaans. And it's a very subtle, it, it, it's almost, you almost don't even see it unless you're sort of, after you looked at the clip a couple of times, you begin to realize it. And you begin to realize there's that sense of humanity, the wanting to connect with people in the language that they are familiar with. Two things that come out of that, Bill, I want to pick up on is uh, authenticity. Mm -hmm. Incredibly important. Uh, there's a lot of research and 
consultants talking about authentic leadership. The thing is about authenticity is that you can be, as my colleague likes to say, an authentic jerk. This is not a prescription simply to be yourself, right? Uh, it is important to be yourself, yet work at developing these other dimensions of character so that that authenticity that you have and the candor, as I spoke about previously, if not supported by things like humility and humanity, it isn't in operating in a dogmatic way. So on the one hand, we've got, we wanna work at being ourselves and, and, and really feeling like we're not withholding aspects of who we are. I wanted to pick up on the other side of things on the fake, you know, sort of idea. Do you fake it until you make it, which is a, a saying that goes out there. And we'll talk a, a lot more about this as we get into podcasts around development. But I want to pick up on the notion that as we develop character, there is no doubt that we're going to be outside of our comfort zone. So we won't be great about some aspects of things. So, so this isn't a prescription about how it is that all of a sudden you can become this person who has a lot of humanity. I might, for example, I'm a very, very strong introvert and I wish I'd had the language of character as I was uh, in my younger years uh, and even in my later years because I realized that I probably atrophied some aspects of humanity because of the fact that I was more reserved about connecting with other people. And that was just a piece that over time, I had to really think a lot about, well, why is that the case? What's going on here? How is it that I can create those kinds of connections? So Bill, I just want to pick up for our listeners that it, it is not something that develops overnight, but it becomes stronger the more we're exercising these muscles. The last thing, Mary, is, is just how, how um, looking at this clip with the lens of leader character on creates so much more richness. So I remember the first time I saw the clip, uh, I saw the movie, I should say, uh, this is before I'd, I'd gotten involved with the leadership character work. It was, as you say, like a normal day and you don't really appreciate what's going on. And the kind of the feeling you're left with is, is oh, isn't he a nice guy? You know, what a nice guy to go and talk to people. And, and you don't appreciate it. Once you've actually got an understanding of the leader character framework and you actually look at this, this clip through, um, through, through that lens, it becomes so much more rich. You see so much in the way of, 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 uh, of actions and decisions and the, the dimensions start to just jump out at you. Like we always get, like the, the overwhelming response we get is, is we see all of the dimensions. If you don't have the awareness and the knowledge of the framework, you miss all of that. And it really is something that opens up a whole new world and it creates all kinds of new information points and observations uh, that you never had before that allows you to understand a situation to understand leadership, to understand yourself and, and how to actually make those better judgments. And surprisingly, how easy and almost, um, almost instinctive it is for these uh, observations to pop out. The second clip, uh, Mary, that we typically show is, is in style quite a bit different. Um, this is where uh, Mandela is <laughs> sitting in his office 
frankly, working on, I, I can't remember, he was working on something or other, but it seemed to be a rather mundane day. And he gets a phone call. And the phone call is uh, from one of his uh, uh, colleagues who is at the South African Sports Authority, uh, which I gather is the governing body for sports in South Africa. Uh, it is now controlled by the Black South Africans. And they have decided uh, to, in an, a very emotional decision, to uh, strike the colors of the Springbok, uh, Springboks rugby team, both their colors and their names. And a little bit of history and background here is, is that um, the Springboks were the prime, they, they were really the pride of the white South African rugby team, uh, white South Africa. They had been a very dominant force in world rugby, but because of the apartheid issues that they were facing, South Africa had been banned from many international competitions. And because they've so much represented white South Africa, the black South Africans typically had cheered against them. They hated them. They would much rather see the, the Springboks lose than win. There was an enormous amount of animosity built up. And so there was a sense of, here's our chance now that we run the sports authority, let's, uh, let's bury the Springboks once and for all. And so they'd made that decision absolutely unanimous, highly emotional, um, and, and they, were, they were frankly delighted with themselves with this decision. Uh, and then Mandela gets that phone call. And again, you're thinking to yourself, what's the big deal, right? Okay, so they're gonna, you know, we won't have white South African rugby for a while. You know, is that really a big deal? But he doesn't see it that way at all, Mary. Uh, yeah, he, he leaves his office immediately. Uh, his assistant, I, I love this piece of the clip because she is so persuasive telling him he's moving in the wrong direction. He's explaining that he, he believes that the decision is, is the wrong decision. And she is saying, you've got other things on your agenda. There's a Japanese trade delegation coming in. What am I going to do? And he says, I delegate that to you. She says, well, shouldn't you uh, bring in the minister of sports? And he said, no, and he, 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 he does sound very dogmatic, right? Uh, to the very piece I just talked about previously is that he so, seems so rigid about things. And, and she keeps pushing. She says, you, you, you just seem to be uh, you, acting unilaterally on this. And, and this goes against what you stand for. And he, he makes it very clear that this is something that he knows needs to be done. And she says, well, can't you risk this for something more important than rugby? And he makes this really famous uh, comment. He says, the day I'm afraid of my losing my leadership, the, the day I'm no longer fit to lead. And of course, he, he heads Bill to the sports authority and meets with the, the people to say, I think you've made a decision with insufficient information and foresight, which is an incredible way to start this. And then he uses his background, his storytelling, to describe to them things that he doesn't think they have given enough attention to. Bill, the reason that we use the clip is less to focus on Mandela, but rather to use it as a moment to understand a phenomenon we come to call as character contagion. How does Mandela activate on the character of the individuals who have just made this decision? And we ask 
uh, people to take a look at what he is activating on. And it becomes pretty clear that there are things like humanity. Well, they were thinking more about the black South Africans than South Africa in general. And Mandela, with a lot of empathy and compassion, tells them that they have to exercise more compassion than they would have imagined. And in fact, he says everything that they denied us. But he has comments like, but now is no time for petty revenge. Now is the time to build the nation with every brick available to us, whether that comes wrapped in green and gold, of course, the colors of the Springboks rugby team. And he activates on things like transcendence, Bill, I think is a hugely important piece. It's the why would we do something? Why would I exercise empathy and compassion, for example? Why would I collaborate in a way that I hadn't done previously? And he paints this picture about the why being South Africa itself and how it is that they want to unite this nation. I think it's a really important lesson for a lot of us because I often see in organizations people uh, painting the business case for change. Necessary but not sufficient. You know, what, what, what is it that is really inspiring us to greatness as Mandela describes in other clips of this, when nothing less will do? What inspires ourselves, what inspires others? We see him uh, talking about justice and talking about accountability, essentially not necessarily in those words, but activating within individuals, calling upon a higher strength of character than they would have necessarily exercised in the initial judgment. It's a fascinating example of, of the different dimensions having to come to the, to the fore, if you will, compared to the previous clip and uh, how those lead to him uh, not only discerning what the right decision is, but then having the capacity to follow it and see it through in a, in a, very, uh, in a very authentic and real way. So uh, I hope with us using and describing these three clips, but in particular the, the, the two film clips from the movie Invictus, you're starting to actually feel the change. You're starting to feel the activation of, of character. You're starting to see situations through the, through the lens of leadership character completely differently because all kinds of information that was there before, but you, you, you didn't really have the lens to see it is now becoming apparent and visible to you. And I think part of what happens too, and I know it happens with me and others, is that as you start watching these clips and observing this, you can start to feel your own character begin to activate. You can start to feel and observe and, and become aware of your own dimensions of character in, in ways that you, you haven't. So it's one of those lenses that goes outward as well as inwards. We know, uh, we know that uh, uh, character is something which is powerful and essential in leadership. And whether it's the leadership of the individual or the leadership of an entire group or an organization or in, in, in places and countries, we all have a character. Uh, we can either decide to pay attention to it or not, uh, but it doesn't matter. Even if we don't pay attention to it, with this framework, it allows you to intelligently and intentionally develop it. It's like having an exercise program that's designed to help you uh, deal with each one of these different dimensions of, of, of your uh, 
of your character. It's one of those things that you have to experience. You, you, can't, uh, you, you can't develop your character by sitting around and thinking about it or reading a book. It's like you know, getting fit. You can't get fit watching someone else to work out. You've got to actually do it yourself. But the results are enormous. And I think these clips demonstrate it. They demonstrate the enormous amount of power that comes from uh, judgments that are infused by, by character and, and the wisdom that comes from that and the outcomes that are, that are far better, that leads again to really the core of this increased well-being and satisfaction. Bill, I, I think it's more uh, uh, beginning to shift to the forward-looking side. I got a little connect to the last session where in this 101 A and B, we were setting up some of the basic foundations. And in the last episode, we talked about those three areas of investment, awareness, development, and embedding and institutionalizing character in organizations and society. One of the observations I would make about this is that we focused an awful lot on the awareness side in these two episodes, but that going forward, this relationship between awareness and development continues to go on. I feel I've been 10 years working in this area, of course, developing my own character, hopefully in the process, but that every day there's something new that I learn about this relationship on how is character developed? What is it? Why is it difficult? And so I think, Bill, in these podcasts as we go forward, where we continue to deepen understanding about what it is, how it works, and also look at the development side of things, and then I just want to say that this idea of individual development, though, is, is in group and collective development important. This embedding it in your organizations is really critical and in society. Because a bit of a cap on this, of course, is that South Africa has struggled uh, in recent years. And we ask ourselves, to what degree has character been embedded in the institutions of an organization or society? And I think, Bill, as we move forward on these podcasts, we'll pick up on those issues and the promise and the possibility that there is that we can make major institutional and systemic change that can deal with all sorts of really important matters, whether it's systemic discrimination that occurs or uh, economic uh, uh, inequalities, so many critical societal issues. And of course, issues within organizations that have plagued uh, organizations for a long period of time. So those are a little bit of a, I think, a preview of that there's a lot more to come. Mary, that's a great segue into our next episode. Um, in the next episode, we're going to talk about the impact of context or your environment, be it uh, you know at work or at home or, or wherever you are, the impact that that environment of that context has on your character and, and the decisions that you make. Uh, some people say that context decides almost everything um, in terms of, you know, the decisions that we make as people. Um, and the question I guess you would have is, you know, are we doomed to this sort of powerless fate or can character have something to say here? Is there something around the, the way that our characters work and grow and develop that can actually regain uh, control over those almost invisible effects that context has on our character and our decision-making. Mary and I think that this is one of the most important episodes. It's almost foundational in, in that sense. Um, it's very exciting because this is where we begin to see how 
strength of character can help us to become aware of uh, and to be able to resist and indeed uh, start to influence in a very positive way the context that we, we operate in and that we live in every single day. And so we're very excited to bring it to you and uh, we hope you like it as much as we will. So thank you again for joining us today. If you like what you've heard, please share with your, friend and your friends and colleagues. And if you really like what you've heard today, then please subscribe to our podcast. We also have a website called questionofcharacter.com where we will be posting various resources and articles, and in particular, links to any of the diagrams, schematics, or movie clips included in today's podcast. We will also post links to the Ian Inatowitz Institute for Leadership at the Ivy Business School, where there are even more resources, articles, and information about the Ivy Leadership Character Framework. So thank you again for joining us today, and it's goodbye from me. Till next time. Bye-bye.